0: It's Monday, September 20th. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. This is Irish Illustrated Insider. Notre Dame defeats Purdue 27-13 to to move to 3-0, setting up this weekend's Shamrock Series game against Wisconsin in Chicago Soldier Field. Guys, just your impression uh, from the game on Saturday. Notre Dame appeared to be a, a, a somewhat better version of themselves. They still have their issues offensively. Uh, but the defense really stepped up and uh, and really performed well in in holding down a Purdue passing game that is certainly capable of scoring some points.
1: It was one of I think it was the first performance of the season where I felt like I knew what I was talking about because um, you know we had talked about how the we felt like the defense could and would get better, right? Um, you know that tackling would resolve itself, the personnel substitutions would resolve itself, and I think that all that all happened and gave. Marcus Freeman sort of a toehold for the rest of the season to build on. Um, you know, offensively, I think they are who they are. Um, you know, the offensive line, I don't think is gonna make a drastic improvement from here on out. It can get incrementally better. Um, but if there's one thing that I would just sort of flush from last week on offensively, it'd be the drops from Lindsey, Wilkins, Austin. I don't, I don't see that as a repeating issue moving forward. And when it's not, then and I think you sort of see the architecture of what could be a could be a very good team.
2: Yeah, that's my takeaway was the wide the, the wide receiver issue, which was one of the two or the, or the passing game issue. We'll just say it that way. I, I don't think that continues to be an issue. Um, I'm glad Brian Kelly pointed out that some of the throws by Cone, where everybody was getting on him early, including Brian Kelly, uh, the routes were not awesome, <laughs> and that and that that goes into it. I don't think they. I'm not sure how far they'll grow in the passing game over their well, the best that we've seen so far. Cause I do think he just doesn't have enough time, but there's so many plays to be made out there by those wide receivers. If you're going to bracket Michael Mayer, I think that's a positive going forward. I don't, other than the offensive line getting incrementally better. I don't have anything positive to say about the offensive line. I mean, they could get incre- incrementally better. I don't, I don't think the offensive line is going to hold up this week very well. I think Notre Dame would have to win this game in a, We'll get to this, I guess, but they're going to have to win this game in a, wow, look at that play by Kevin Austin. And thank goodness Kyron Williams made that play. It's that That's the type of offense I think we're looking at.
0: Well, that that was one of the reasons why I asked Brian Kelly today about chunk plays, because otherwise it's just, if you don't do that, and I think about how many third and long situations they're going to face. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. But as it relates to Purdue and and the offensive line, I, I said this in the tail of the tape, I think I think that, that 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 unit and those guys individually are, are pretty mechanical right now where where they, they're they just so intent on, God, don't screw up on the, the guy in front of me, that they're not reacting to linebacker blitzes. I understand corner blitzes are more difficult and more of the responsibility of the running back and, and the quarterback, but they just can't. I mean, you just don't feel like their guards have any natural instinct, to get off of one block and fill the hole where the linebacker is coming from. I don't know. It just looks really mechanical to me. Re- being rerouted uh, wide receivers have to fight from being rerouted. And so many times, you know, if a, if a DB puts hands on a receiver and throws them off his route, well that throws the timing of the pass off. So I'm not making excuses for, for Cohen, because he, he wasn't particularly accurate, certainly compared to the first couple of games, but it goes, hand in hand. I, you know, I asked Brad Kelly about the wide receivers and the message. I should have been aware that he's re- really hasn't probably spoken to them until, you know, later today, but he said, as long as they prepare, well, he's not going to necessarily get on them about a, a misplay in a game. And I get where he's coming from there, but outside of Avery Davis, the senior players, you know, the other three senior receivers caught three passes and were targeted 17 times. Those aren't all Jack Cohn's fault.
2: No, of course not. No, no. Yeah, but that don't you believe that Notre Dame's passing game and their wide receivers will continue to be a, a growing yeah entity yeah. on this team?
0: Yeah, we we actually I'm I'm hesitating to comment too much because we have a question on that in the second okay. segment where
2: I, I just uh, feel yeah. like when I asked Kyron Williams after the game about look this offense doesn't seem to have the six five eight six six three five six they they don't have that in them right now. And I don't think they can have that in them.
0: I, no, I, would I agree. Yeah, I don't. See yeah, especially I mean against just,
2: Navy, but that's the only. That's the only game.
0: That's be, the only
2: game where I think the offensive line is going to have a major advantage against the defensive front.
0: It's going to be really difficult to move the football this weekend, and and uh, you know, like people ask us, you know, what can they do in the running game to loosen that up? Well, one <clears> example <throat> that I saw was. When they went to the two back and they they you know they sprint right after the snap, they sprint Tyree out to his left. And then, you know, that created enough of, the, of a diversion that on first and ten you hand it to Kyron Williams and it was a gain of five. Well, the way the offensive line is playing right now, second and five is paradise.
1: You yeah, know, I, mean, I mean, it's you mentioned third downs. Do you know what Notre Dame's average to go on third down was last weekend? Nine. Nine point four yards.
2: Yeah, yeah, I saw. I I was looking through the uh, the keys to winning football games. <laughs> I was realizing that nine point four yards is not going to be a, game, a way you are going to often win a football game when you have that. No, I mean that 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 is a surefire
1: loss against Wisconsin if that number is yeah. probably above eight. You know, okay. against Toledo is six point nine, Florida State is five point five, just for a matter of.
2: A five point five is is something it would be great against Wisconsin because you also involve yes. Michael, Michael Mayer and that is also, Kyron Williams only has to make one guy miss on a regular flare. You know, it's not like it has to be a heroic run. Uh, they are running screens pretty well. Um, five is fine. Third and five is fine. You just can't get third and eight against Wisconsin. I don't, or I don't. I shouldn't talk about Wisconsin like they're Georgia. You can't get third and eight against quality, right? Top thirty five teams.
0: Right. Well, for the record, uh, Michael Mayer leads the team in receptions with 17, followed by Kyron Williams with 11, followed by Chris Tyree with 10, followed by Avery Davis, who only had three catches in the first two games and had five on Saturday. And then comes Kevin Austin and and Braden Lindsay. But, um, you know, the challenge this weekend, not to get too deep into it, because I don't think any of us have fully studied Wisconsin yet, but Brian Kelly referenced uh, Benton, their interior defensive lineman. It's a two-gap player that's going to create problems, and you are not going to find any opponent on Notre Dame's schedule. I would defy you to try to find somebody in the country where they are going to be more aggressive uh, than Wisconsin is with their linebackers. Their yeah. linebackers are constantly attacking the line of scrimmage. You can call that a run blitz, but, I mean, I, that's just the very nature of their defense. They, they run a 3-4 so that, you know, naturally you need – immediate support from the second rung of the defense, but they're going to be attacking the line of scrimmage. And I think right now that's, a, that's exactly where the Notre Dame offensive line has the most trouble. They do not, they do not see the second wave of defender coming through and more and more teams are going to do that until the offensive line proves that it has a little bit of awareness as to what's happening up front.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, the very first play of the game, what, ha- what happens? Purdue, Purdue rushes three at the line and then brings two linebackers from the middle and they just sort of twist around and one of them runs straight through and wipes out Jack Cohn. like that's, you got to be, you know, some of that is some of it's on the quarterback to figure out where to go. Uh, but I mean, a lot of that is on the offensive line to figure out who's coming as well. Cause it's you can't, you can't just have free rushers like that. And, you know, three, four is made to create free rushers.
0: Notre Dame uh, is a six and a half point underdog. Uh, People were appalled at the fact they were three and a half point underdogs during the preseason, and now they're six and a half. And I think that they've earned being a six and a half point underdog because let's the reality is, and I'm not saying Wisconsin's great. Hey, Wisconsin's going to have a really difficult time scoring points against Notre Dame. In fact, I might even argue that Notre Dame is a little bit better equipped because of their passing game to. To, to score against Wisconsin, do we? Wisconsin's longest pass in two games is 23 yards, so you know they're they're going to struggle as well.
1: Yeah, oh, it's not. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I just don't. This is a, a matchup that I think is bad for Notre Dame's offensive line, but it is a chance for Tommy Reese to do more creative things that he's already doing. Frankly, or like involving the backs in the passing game is it's not a changeup anymore. It's, that's like one of Notre Dame's fastballs. I mean, it's um, he, I think he is doing a good job game planning and play calling this year, probably better than what you know the general population would think. Um, but you're you're trying to do it off of an offensive line where you never know how much time you're going to have. Um, and that's, it's hard to play call that way.
2: Tim. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree with you on Reese. Uh, we talked about that last week. It's, I think he's calling play calling his butt off, really. It's uh, one hand tied behind his back is what Priester has said. But when you talk about Wisconsin having more trouble moving the ball than Notre Dame, they're going to move the ball better than Notre Dame, unless you're just saying scoring points, which I know is the absolute key to no, the I'm game say, because I'm they're going to move the ball better than Notre Dame.
0: Okay. Vertical passing game yeah. is what I'm saying. It's I, just
2: that, that offensive, Notre Dame's offensive line. It is, it's egregious right now. I mean, I, you, I have to hope we come out of this game and say, look, they, they actually got better again. They actually, they, it is. I can't believe it. I can't believe that it is the worst line of the Brian Kelly era through three games.
0: It is. <laughs> It, 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 it just flat out look, is. Look at,
2: look at it this way. In 2016, they had a lot of bad games with the offensive line. There was some weird stuff going on with, like, snapping and penalties, obviously undisciplined. But the guys on that line, you had a future pro – well, future, future all-pro junior, a future pro senior, a future pro junior, and a future pro junior. So this line has a future pro freshman and a future pro senior at center. And then, other than that, it's all young guys that may become pros or may not. Like Blake Fisher, you should say, could be a pro when he's, you know, he's.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah and I know he's, he's
2: done anything. Yeah, but you have to project Blake Fisher to be a pro. But look, think about that line though, in 16. Like, they still had the ability to get better because they had senior, junior, junior, junior. You know, it was like they had like one guy that wasn't up to snuff talent-wise at Notre Dame. And right now, it just doesn't seem like there's, there could be plenty of talent, but it's so young and the older talent's not playing well.
0: Yeah. You know, hey, before we end this segment. Wisconsin should be 2-0. and I mean, they've got to be hating themselves
2: yeah, for, for losing
0: to Penn State. State. Listen to yeah. us. Wisconsin had 29 first downs to Penn State's 11. <laughs> Wisconsin had the football 42-51 to Penn State's 17-09. But they were terrible in the red zone. They had turnovers. And they, I mean, despite. He fumbled at
2: the one-yard line. He fumbled, fumbled at
0: the one. At at the one yeah, yeah, I mean, I I don't have a lot. I mean, Graham Mertz isn't that damn good of a quarterback right now, man.
2: No, no, it's not. I, 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 I want to make sure I am not overly talking up Wisconsin all week. I think Wisconsin, I actually think Wisconsin is going to win the game because Notre Dame's offensive line isn't good. Is its not Is it? Isn't? Isn't fine. It's not okay. <laughs> I think Notre Dame's offensive line was okay. That Notre Dame would win the game.
0: Yeah, and I don't know that this is a great Wisconsin offensive line, but it's certainly a a competent offensive line. I do do think their left tackle is vulnerable to outside speed rush, but a lot of guys are. So is is Notre Dame's. Although Tosh Baker really – I mean, Tosh Baker legitimately got better during the game. He sure did. Tosh Baker was better than Josh Lugg during the game.
2: Yeah, and I also want to ask – I don't know. We actually don't have an offensive lineman today. I I asked Patterson if Baker would be better – because he's starting and getting starters reps, and he knows he's the starter, and he's for the first time in his life preparing, or not his life, the first time in his college career preparing to be a starter. And Patterson's like, Yeah, I mean, there's something to it. You're supposed to be preparing that way. <laughs> but there's something about getting all the looks on first team reps and seeing all the blitzes and all the calls that you work on and scout team and stuff like that, that it just helps. And I think Baker will keep getting better. I, I'm not doubting the talent of Baker or Carmody coming up or. Zeke Carrell at Center in the future I just don't think the offensive line as a whole can be that good yeah I mean
1: Brian Kelly references today right like he talked up the Fisher Carmody alt Baker group of tackles he's just like we got four big time tackles down the road and down the road yeah. means like seasons from now um so that's they're they've got they've got a, young guys who I think have a chance to be great. Um, but I think they've, they're they also working with some older players who, you know, can, can be good college players as they're sealing that future pros and that, you know, that's, well, they, a, that's a little different from Notre Like Notre Dame, usually if you're starting on the offensive line, it's because you're a future pro and that's, that's not really the case right now across the board.
2: I think they need a 25-year-old and a 23-year-old to be decent college players the rest of the way.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Michael Carmody expected back this week. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I still think Tosh Baker's best position is right tackle. Um,
2: but I back, d- before we should clarify back, back means he's back practicing out of the boot. Right, right? As, yeah, yeah, we yeah. don't, We
0: don't, he hasn't been on the field yet. So, so yeah. we don't know. Well, that'll be a question for uh, Thursday. Hey, speaking of questions, they'll be coming up in segment two, burning up the boards.
1: Hey, this is Augie, Augie's Locker
2: Room. When you come to the store, you're gonna see things that you've probably never seen before unless you've been to a museum. Great items that go back to the Rockney era to the
1: present. Website com. Visit us here or the website.
0: Segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from Golden by Name. Can we take a minute to appreciate the greatness of Kyle Hamilton?
2: Monday Musings <laughs> has done just, yeah. just that yeah. in an open Monday that Musings. Is- I am taking a minute to appreciate him. Oh man, he's something else.
1: Yeah, it's fun to watch. He's been fun to watch since the first practice we saw him uh, at Culver when he you intercepted, intercepted Phil Djokovic three times. Um, well, it's, <laughs> it's it's difficult to have immediate hype like he did and then exceed it, but that's what Hamilton is doing, which is pretty awesome to watch.
0: I feel like I have to like pay homage to him every week and tell the tape. You know, I mean, he's just. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But you can only say so many good. He's just he, he's unbelievably spectacular. Un- unbelievably spectacular.
2: The fourth the f- the fourth down play was incredible, Tim. The fourth down play was amazing. I mean, yeah, I, I was I- looking at that. And uh, I was looking at the hand up in my binoculars, and I was like, oh. And then I saw this thing (laughs) just fly. I I don't know to make the tackle.
0: I don't know if it's any more spectacular than his second interception at Florida State, considering the ground that he... I I just
2: seemed so physical and violent. It was. But
0: but again, it's also, he's well-schooled. He immediately reacted to Mitchell Wright's motion (gasps) and knew it was coming. And that's why I love... That's why I love Bertrand and, and Drew White because they are so dialed into what the opponent does that that's how they, that's how they make a lot of their plays. They're yeah. just, they they know what to anticipate in Kyle Hamilton's. Kyle Hamilton's not only a great athlete, but he's such an instinctual football player. That's why he's going to be, yeah wherever he's picked in the draft, he'll be the first safety that comes
1: off the board next year. He made a good call by Purdue, look bad. I mean, it was a good. It was a really good play call, and it was set up very well. And it just it was. didn't make an ounce of difference.
0: And I thought, I think that actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I think an underrated aspect of Nordame's defensive performance was, we know that Jeff Brom's got a ton in his playbook, and I thought Nordame was ready for virtually everything. The players looked dialed into what Jeff Brom was going to call, and that's not easy to do. Not not with no. that guy, because his playbook is. No. I mean, he's got a deep playbook. I'm not sure it's as deep as Tommy Reese is just out of necessity, but um, yeah, they did the whole defense did, did a really fine job. Kyle Hamilton is great. He's great. We'll say it every week.
2: Dad of the nineties channeling Tim, channeling Tim O'Malley. Why should I believe the offensive line will be better against Wisconsin's front seven?
0: Did we say that you should?
2: <laughs> There's no, no, no he's, reason. He's just hoping. <laughs> there
0: is no reason to believe that Notre Dame's offensive line will play better against Wisconsin's front than they did produce.
2: I have nothing to add. I, no, we got to. Yeah, I don't either. I'm going to look this week because I am doing an offensive line story this week. By the way, Tim, um, I'm going to look and see when they made some line change, when they made some tweaks and stuff, and see where some of Notre Dame's subpar lines have gotten better under Kelly. See, like what time, what juncture. I mean, as you said, Tosh Baker got better during the game, right? So he could get better this week. Um, Patterson has been really good after the first game when I didn't think he was Garrett Patterson, like, he, you know, we were used to. But I don't know what else is getting better.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't see real progress with the guards. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about Josh Ludd. El, uh, Elm City Domer, and this is the question that I said I didn't want to say too much about. What is more concerning? To you, drop passes, miss throws to open receivers, miss tackles, or miss blocks.
1: So one being most concerning and four being least concerning, right? Okay. 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 I would go, okay. I would go dropped passes is my least concerning. Um, Missed throws would be second missed tackles third and then my most concerning would be missed blocks because I think it is a mixture of physical and mental errors where the other ones are much more like purely physical errors
2: yep I'm the exact same uh, missed tackles would be very damaging to this particular week no more than missed blocks but you missed tackles against Wisconsin and they're going to be on the field forever
0: yeah, I, you know I'm not <sighs> I'm not sure what I'm concerned about least between drop passes and missed throws to open receivers. I mean, fresh in our minds is is Jack Cohn not being as accurate as normal, <laughs> but he's a 70% career passer. Okay. So yeah, the, anom- normal. the anomaly normal. is right. The anomaly is last week, not, you know, that's not, that's not the norm. So to, to me, miss blocks is the biggest concern. Uh, miss tackles just because you run such an aggressive defense and then you know, the passing aspect of it I think will be okay. I don't think – I mean, we, we don't – I don't know why Kevin Austin played the way he did Saturday. It was as if he was in a fog. Um, did he get a ton of help? No. Did he run some poor routes or was rerouted? Brian Kelly noted that. It still comes down to the offensive line and the missed blocks. Jim Booney underscore CRS, how was Joe Alt's performance? Do you think he'll get more playing time moving forward? I don't know where you guys are in rewatching the game.
1: I, I mean, it's difficult to evaluate because I thought he did stuff that was kind of like, you know, H back. You know, I, I don't know. It, it was a it was a hard to evaluate because it's like if, if he should he get more playing time as like the third tackle and a six man line, <laughs> um, but like offset, that could be interesting. Um, but I also pr- would prefer the idea of. I guess if you gave me a choice, like, would I rather see them go two-back with Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree or Joe Alt and Kyron Williams, I think I'd rather still see Tyree and Kyron Williams.
2: I think both things can be true. He looks good in yeah. his role, and I don't think he's going to play that much more than he did. I think it was – you realize you could not let – well, they, Brian Kelly said it. We could not let George ruin the game for us. It was – there's other, game, other people that can ruin games for you, not to that level, but I think other more balanced defenses you want – to attack more than to protect that. That was protect rather than attack. Joe Alt I think's next <coughs> right tackle appearance will be next year. And I think he'll be a tight end, you know, an alternating tight end six guy this year.
0: Do you know how many snaps he had?
2: Uh, yeah, I do. I'll look real fast. Will you offer your, okay. Well, I think it was, I, eight. I think it was
0: eight. Okay. That, that's about right. I guess. I don't know that I saw all eight. I know I saw at least six. And here's what I would say. Yes. It was as a H back. So he's got a little bit ahead of steam. You know more so than a guy coming out of a three-point stance. But here's what I saw. When Joe Alt was in the game, he was pushing forward. He wasn't getting pushed back. He was pushing forward. He was making progress. He was changing the line of scrimmage. I think that guy deserves to play more. Uh, They're going to need him against Wisconsin. So if you're going to run the ball in third and short, you're going to run the ball in short-yard situations, you're probably going to want him on the football field.
2: It was eight, but you don't you don't mean right tackle though, right? You mean an extra tackle and an H-back. Yeah, no, I'm not talking. No, I'm not talking
0: about right tackle. Now I did mention him numerous times in the last couple weeks as a possibility, but he was wearing a tight end's number or a non offensive lineman's number Saturday. So, um, yeah, we. I mean, you can't have him. You can't have him changing numbers all the time. (laughs) It's a lot of work.
2: It's a lot of work for an offensive lineman, three hundred
0: pound dude.
2: From Wash ND, Tosh Baker looked like one of the two best offensive linemen along with Jarrett Patterson. If he continues to play solid football, do you think the staff would consider moving Baker to right tackle when Fisher comes back? Lug isn't cutting it at right tackle.
0: I don't, you know, I mean, I don't know that they're inclined to do that because Lug's a fifth year senior and they've invested a lot in him. I, you know, from my perspective on it, I think it's something to consider.
1: I I think that post during the bye week, you would, you would put all this stuff on the table if you're Notre Dame. I mean, I think that was the week. Uh geez, was it 2018 um, where they went with Aaron Banks? I think started playing him more. Yeah, um, you know that's a that's a time to make that kind of lineup change. So, yeah, I, I would, Washington D. Yes, you would consider it, but you probably <laughs> wouldn't consider it for another three, four weeks.
2: And Blake Fisher has to come back first, uh, not just be available. I mean, Blake Fisher is a 335 pound true freshman that's missing seven games, right? That's, he's not going to be Blake Fisher when he comes back either. So I guess you have Michael Carmody though. you do have Michael Carmody and Tosh Baker and that could be a, I, but here's what I think will happen. Absolutely. They will not do it. (laughs) So that's different than, that's different than what we're saying they could do, but I don't, I do not think they'll bench Josh like this year.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. And you know, and I, I, I'm I'm reading a lot of suggestions. Well, take this guy and move him here, and take this guy and move him uh, here, and then take it. this guy and move him here. You, people don't do that. They don't they don't do that on offensive lines. We talk about continuity. It's just not done. Now, would look, and we knew we knew that when they decided to put Corral at guard and Patterson at center, that it was in the best interest of Jared Patterson, but not the offensive line. Correct? Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't think they're changing that though either.
0: I agree. I agree. Irish from a two, stock up or stock down after three games. Quarterback, hit it
2: up up. Yeah, for me, for sure. Remember, yep. I was, I was kicking Jack Cohen's dog for everybody said when I rated him 16th. So yeah, up.
0: <laughs> and and up for me as well. I think I left running backs out there. Running backs.
2: <laughs> what, do you, what, what
1: do you want them to do? You have to include them as receivers. So, no.
0: Offensive no. line, obviously, stock down. Defensive yeah. line, linebacker, cornerback. I, I personally would say stock up on defensive line, linebacker, cornerback.
2: I would too. And safety, because DJ Brown uh, came out and played football. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cal Hamilton's an all pro. I'd say stock up on all those because also, um, the stock's going to continue to go up for most of those, I think. Too the defense, I
1: think I would say hmm, I would say up on the defensive line, linebacker and corner is almost like exactly kind of what I thought it was going to be. That's fair, yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't, I would say neither up nor down. Um, safety, I would, I would say up though, because I think Houston Griffith and now DJ Brown they they both you know contributed in a significant way.
0: Yeah, and Houston Griffith – Made a soft attempt that a tackle on Jackson Anthrop, who I insist. Jackson Anthrop, number 33, would play for Notre Dame. He he, he yeah. His yards after contact is incredible.
2: They stock way up for running backs. They're carrying 260-pound people on their backs when they get yards. <laughs> you get one yeah. yard. It's a good thing. You're going to hit yeah. the what, – Pete, what's the stat? When do they get hit in the backfield? How many percent? Uh, f- 55% of the time. And they're still living.
0: So far. C. <laughs> Fraser asks, have any of you noticed that we fans wait eight months to watch Nordane football and then many complain nearly every minute of the game? seems like an exercise in futility. Yes, I've right. never
2: noticed this. Thanks <laughs> for bringing it up, C. <laughs> Fraser. <laughs> Indeed, I have noticed that is the situation. There is a running joke in these Notre Dame games all year this year. I don't want to look at the board. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't. I just throw it Well, out.
0: It's, as, it's <laughs> as if, like, the game starts and there are people that are poised at the keyboard just waiting for something bad to happen to say that they should fire the coach, say that they should bench the player. I, I There's
1: I'm, plenty of time after the game for that.
0: Yes, <laughs> I, yes, exactly. I'm I'm astonished at uh, the way f- college football players are just discarded series from series. You wouldn't have any players left.
2: Especially as they age too. It's kind of a phenomenon. They get older and they get like, kicked off the team even faster. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> He's a junior. Uh, get him out of there.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, Steve Frazier, we have <laughs> definitely noticed this.
2: TJ from PA 70. We saw Jack Cohen throw some errant passes against Purdue. It seems a bit out of character for him on the intermediate routes. Do you think his dislocated finger was a more significant issue than was let on or was it just an off day?
0: He said it didn't, he didn't even think about it. I think, I think George Karloftis breathing down his neck was, you know, a a greater issue for Cone and some of the rerouted, the, you know, the rerouted uh, routes by the receivers. He didn't, it wasn't Jack Cone's best day, but he's a career 70% passer. And I would expect him to continue to be that. And frankly, you know, I think, I think there's some downfield plays to be made. Again, another reason why I asked Brian Kelly about chunk plays, there's some downfield plays to be made against Wisconsin if you have the time and he can set his feet.
1: I think if Lindsay makes the TD catch and Wilkins makes the catch, like forget Kevin Austin, just like write that off. But if you just did that, Cohen would have finished 17-31 to 31 for about 300 yards and three touchdowns, and I don't know if we would be talking about this. And that has nothing to do with Jack Cohn.
0: Yeah. And that's a, you know, I mean, Je- Joe Wilkins has to make a, a very good to a great play to make that catch. But that's what receivers do, man. I mean, that's what receivers are expected made, to do. He made an
1: even better play at Florida State.
0: He yeah. did. He did. You know, and they they needed one against Purdue there. And that, that was rifled. Uh, can we, are we talking about uh, Jack Cohn's arm strength anymore? Is that clearly not? it's clearly not an issue. It's clearly not an issue.
2: NDFB. How do you see the quarterback situation playing out? Is it going to be a two quarterback system the rest of the season or will Buckner take the starting job?
0: Please go first, Pete.
2: Um, I don't (laughs)
1: see. I don't see a way Buckner can take the starting job unless the season really goes off the rails. Um, But I do think it needs to be a two quarterback system the rest of the, the rest of the year. You know, is that four-to-one snaps Cone to Buckner? Is it five-to-one? Is it three-to-one? Is it two-to-one? I, I don't know. Um, but I do think Tyler Buckner's hamstring is really, really important for this weekend. because um, they, they need that change-up. Um, but, I, man, I just don't, I don't see how – Jack Cone hasn't done anything to not play him. You know what I mean? Like, he's playing really well.
2: I think they will absolutely employ Tyler Buckner every time he is healthy enough to be out there um, in the game plan. And I'd say, yeah, you're in the four to one range, Pete. I mean, that's not yeah. putting you don't really need to put a number on it. I mean, he's going to come out He's going to come out when they're backed up. He's going to come out when the running game bogs down. Maybe he can come out near the goal line. I mean, the go, if he could come out when it's first and goal at the 15 because he can make a quick throw or he can escape for a 14-yard run. You know, it's, he's, a, he's a weapon. And I am positive nobody wants to use him. And just as positive they don't want to start him.
0: And he's strong, isn't he? I mean, just the the first snap that 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 play absolutely should go for negative yardage, and he gained five yards. He's he's (laughs) strong and quick, and he's really good. The only way Norden gets to double digit victories this season is if a Jack Cohn is a starter and gets the majority of the snaps, and b Tyler Butner continues to play an integral role more or less depending upon the situation in each game. Sweet Lou Corduroy. What are your thoughts on Isaiah Foskey through the first three games? Is he performing up to your expectations this season? And what do you think is his ceiling?
1: I think he's exceeding uh, expectations based on, you know, what we saw in August. Like he's a, he's sort of the dynamic pass rusher that you hope Notre Dame was going to have. And so, I mean, I think his ceiling is uh, second day draft pick, right? Like, I mean, be a second, third round type guy. I'm not saying after this year, but, could no, I mean it's back, possible? Yeah. I always thought like the best year for Isaiah Foskey is at the end of the year. He has a decision to make: do I come back or do I not? And I think he's like on that track right now.
2: Yeah, the decision should be to come back because he's not a finished product in strength, and you know he had the the right. injury, and he just hasn't played enough. But he exceeded my expectations from what we heard about him all summer and all August. And he probably is meeting Pete Sampson's expectations when he tried to ask a question about him last spring and was shot down. By, uh, <laughs> so it was summarily dismissed by Brian Kelly. But uh, I think that uh, no, he's having a really good year. He's, he's impacting things and the whole defensive front. And this game is going to be a struggle for the offenses. Don't you think? Oh, my gosh. This is the hardest game to call since Brian Kelly ended that 2016 season.
0: Final score, 9-6. to six
2: the defense is both can just strip right. sack things. It's
0: crazy. Yeah, no, I think Foskey's playing great. He really is. I mean, it is very rare when a defensive end is leading your team in tackles and tackles doesn't explain the whole story, but he has three and a half sacks, 15 tackles, which, which paces the team and a couple more quarterback hurries. Uh, he's playing great. He's instinctive. He's light on his feet. He's a menace. He's somebody that you don't. I don't know that you you don't have to account for him like George Karloftis, but yeah,
2: not yet. You've
0: got you've got to account for him. There's no doubt about that.
2: Ryan seven thirty nine. How close is Cam Hart to achieving dude status? Uh, I'm not there.
0: Not there yet. I don't think. I mean, I thought that there were. I I thought he did some really good things against Toledo. I, yeah. you know, he was. He had some tough matchups uh, against Purdue, and it showed. He came through in the clutch when they needed him to at the end of the game. I he's long. He's, you know, I think he's got a lot of assets. His ceiling. I don't know. The, do we really answer this? I, I guess Pete did answer the ceiling about Fosky. I don't think Cam Hart's anywhere close to a ceiling. And he's but he's no. still doing some good things.
1: Yeah. No, it's I he's a developmental player, right? Like I think that you know Brian Kelly referenced this on Monday during his presser, there's a lot of like in season growth that needs to happen for Notre Dame. But and Cam Hart is a big part of that. I mean, he's got to yeah. get a lot better, but there's there's a lot to work with too. So it's, you know, it's, it's a guy with a lot of upside that has a ways to go to to
2: hit it. Really liked what I saw from Cam Hart uh, for the last seven of like the last eight quarters. I know he had a rough little go there in the fourth quarter against Toledo, but that was pure coverage situation against the Wiley receiver. Hart is, uh, Stock up for sure, because, Pete, you and I were worried about Cam Hart in this mm-hmm. game against Purdue. So I did see something on the board that some of them mentioned he's playing better than Lewis already. I would like to point out that Clarence Lewis gave up his first catch of the year against Purdue. He has only been targeted nine times, and he has allowed 18 receiving yards.
0: <laughs> yeah, Cam I mean, Hart
2: I... has been targeted 21 times and allowed 119 with two touchdowns. So yep. let's not put Lewis out to pasture just because Cam Hart looks cooler.
0: So David, David Bell is a slant and Clarence Lewis sucks. I, I mean, it's many, many watch few see it, it, I just come back to that constantly that you, you, we don't know, like, for example, people, well, he's giving them too much of a cushion. Well, that's probably the defense. That's probably the coverage that is called based upon the anticipation of the play called and the formation and Tendencies, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Nordame's corners, I, I mean, uh, how can they, I don't know how they can do any better than they did in terms of yardage allowed to wideouts and 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 yards after the catch. Yeah, I mean, good day. they they did. And they, you know, they I, I mean, I just think that they're playing really good football, a better level of football than anticipated right now.
2: Irish fan 425. Notre Dame is excellent at running screen passes. Man, imagine this last year, but they didn't attempt one during the Purdue game, which was surprising given the challenge of Carl Optus. Do you think it will be implemented more in the Wisconsin game and going forward?
0: Uh, it has to be. It, I mean, it, it absolutely has to be. It's like I said, the the two running backs are second and third in receptions. And I don't see that changing because you know, a wide receivers a, one day, one day you'll emphasize Austin next day, last week, you emphasize Davis. I don't know that Lindsay's ever going to be the leading pass catcher in a game, but mayor's going to get his, um, but I, you know, I, I still see those two guys uh, getting more receptions than any of the whiteouts right now.
1: Yeah. It, it's, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where they've been effective running the screen because it's rare, right? Like, like, when people ask about like, man, you've really been effective in play action. Why don't you throw play action more? Well, you can't throw play action on every play. That's that doesn't work. Uh
2: um, so, <laughs>
1: yeah, that may that may be true. Uh but yeah, what I love to see some screens. Yeah, especially, you know, Priester mentioned in the, the first segment, like they've got linebackers who fly at you um that play downhill. So throw screens behind it um and see where it goes. So yeah, it's gotta be part of the game plan Saturday. But the fact that it wasn't against Purdue, I don't think should be – that's not really something to, to make a note of, I think, moving forward.
2: I would play action and screen the living daylights out of Wisconsin rather than run the ball.
1: Yes. Yep. Yep.
2: Please, nice. extend the running game. Extend yes, I love this time extend it. Game. I'm on board. Extend it.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> My explanation to tell the tape is it's – well, just read it. It's an extension –
2: <laughs> Subscribe to Irish <Iron laughs> Illustrated' and yes. safe, a, right, Tim. <laughs>
0: it's an extension of the passing game. It's yeah. not an extension of the running game. There's nothing similar in any skill set that makes it an extension of the running game. I'm well, ca- we're, ca- we're dealing in semantics a little bit, but yeah. I didn't know that you were as opposed to that phrase as
2: I was. Oh my gosh, I'm missed to run the ball. not anymore. If you can't do it, you can't do it. It's okay. Like shooting yeah. threes with bad shooters. Remember that they got to keep shooting threes. No, they don't. They don't hit any threes. Stop shooting threes. Do something different. Um I think yeah, it's I'm just
0: not- like it's just <laughs> a it's an old football expression that everybody kind of clings to yeah. without actually really thinking that the skill set is completely different from the running game. Right. It's an extension of the passing. <laughs> well,
2: Brad Kelly said it before. That's why we jump. That's why we jump all over. Him well, it's us. just a,
0: yeah. it, it's an old phrase that everybody it uses. Is. I understand it. We're just. More than anything, we're just kind of having fun with it. Hey,
2: I got a great tweet, by the way, during the game that when Kyra Williams had the 23-yard punt return, he said, now there's an extension of the running game. Tim O'Malley was like, that's right. 23-yard punt returns, extension of the running game in 2021. Irish Ernie, odds of Kevin Austin and Brayden Lindsey moving on to the NFL after what you've seen for the first three games. Uh,
0: mm. Brayden Lindsey... Brayden Lindsey's not playing professional football. Um, Kevin Austin... Uh, you know he needs to he needs to be a full time player in Notre for two years uh, like too. Cam Hart. Cam Hart needs to be a Cam Hart probably needs to play two more years at cornerback to be the cornerback yeah. that he's capable of, just because he has so little experience in it. But um, Kevin Austin absolutely has the skill set to play in the NFL. Braden Lindsay absolutely does not. He has great but, speed. He has great yeah. speed. There's no there are and I'm not saying this based upon the drop on. Saturday against Purdue, I would have said it before that. There is no way that he has the hands to play
1: on that level. You really got to make that catch 100 out of 100 times. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, it's like kickers when you miss like an extra point. The and the sun and could have been, can't.
0: yeah, the sun could have been a factor, but
2: technique was a factor. You know that, I mean, I, I figured this out about 20 years ago that they don't teach you to catch the ball. Like we used to teach, learn to catch the ball. With your hands out like that. Right, 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 you right. turn your hands and it's the easiest catch in the world. I remember the first time someone told me that I was like, Wow, you must not you must be right. <laughs> because then you can't drop the ball when you go like that. It's, there there it's are
0: there are certain throws where
2: cradling it makes sense. That. Yeah.
0: But most of the time it's That's You got to catch it with your hands, man. You got to catch it with your hands.
2: (laughs) An extension of the passing game, catching the ball with your
0: hands. (laughs) Kaiser Wilhelm asks, what is your reaction to seeing not one, but two honest-to-God punt returns?
2: I kind of forgot there was two, so I guess I didn't react that much. But there was. There was was two.
0: I find it – like you, like audibly in the stadium, you, yes. you hear this, you hear this buzz, like, oh my God, Kyra Williams is returning a punt. It, it was, it was really funny to hear the buzz in the crowd because it's like, is he? Willie?
2: he? is. <laughs> it's like when they have a bad basketball team back, kind of before break. Uh, in the McLeod era, and someone would dunk on Notre Dame, and the whole crowd just explode, like they couldn't believe the six eight person just jumped up and dunked a basketball <laughs> at a Notre Dame game. You have Chris Webber um, coming, dunking backwards.
1: <laughs> after the game, I was not in Jeff Brom's presser, but for Matt Fortuna, who I work with at the Athletic, mentioned that he uh, Brom was asked about, you know, do you have a starting quarterback, sort of competition or controversy or however you want to phrase it, moving forward, and Brom was like, no, 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 like Jack Plummer our guy. And it was like, do you have a, a, punter controversy coming up? And he's like, yeah, that's an open competition. Like that Purdue's punt game. Oh my god, was yeah. awful.
0: How many um, times? How many times do we hear about Australian punters and what they can do? That Australian punter <laughs> needs to be shipped <laughs> back.
1: He was actually an Austrian punter. They uh, got him from the wrong country. Uh, that, was, that was just <laughs> that was really bad. Like, stop hitting line drives. <laughs>
0: I, you know, it isn't often that a punter gets pulled in a game. But, man, I, you know, he oh. had to be. That was pretty bad. Uh, okay, Statman72. O'Malley, how are you uh, feeling about your preseason prediction that Notre Dame will win as an underdog this season? I don't think you're feeling too good about it, Tim.
2: I feel worse than I did when I made that preseason prediction because I thought they would beat Wisconsin when I made that preseason prediction. So that's ah, a tough one. I don't think they'll be underdog at home either. So I'm feeling worse about the preseason prediction. Stock down. Mm. Well, how many games do you think they're going to be? Underdogs? That's what I was just, just this say. One. I just think this one. I don't this think is it. Going. I don't think they'll be an underdog at home this year. Unless I mean, if they lose this game badly, they could be an underdog to Cincinnati. But I still don't think they would be. The line would be cra- that'd be. You can't make Notre Dame a home underdog right now to Cincinnati.
0: Yeah, it could be just a few points, but they know. were a
2: home underdog by two two and a half points to Oklahoma in 2013. Yeah, like you know, this is it's a hard it's a hard sell to make Notre Dame a home underdog. Like, and they're not playing Clemson. I mean, right. Yeah. So I feel bad, badly about my prediction. I feel worse. (laughs) Uh, I got to remember they're not playing. I want to keep saying this though. This is not when we thought they were playing the Georgia team that was just going to kill them. No, no. They're just playing a team that is gets to go against a team with no offensive line. Makes everybody better.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, all the, I mean, the assumptions about Wisconsin's defensive front are, st- are valid. But beyond that, right. I mean, I, you yeah. know, Graham, Graham Mertz isn't going to pick Notre Dame apart to beat I them.
2: I don't think I give Wisconsin an advantage in many places at all. I just think they have an advantage of epic proportions over a fatal flaw of Notre Dame.
0: And, I, you know, I don't know how, how great of a running back Malusi is. But if he has the room to maneuver like he did pretty much in the first two games.
2: I think he's a good running, really good running back. uh, If Notre Dame's defense is out there for 87 plays and their offense is out there for 69 or something like that, then it adds up. All
0: right. We're going to conclude. I'm putting two questions together here. The first one from JJ Allwine. And that is if playing to their full potential is 10 out of 10, where would the first three games score out of 10 and how good is this team's full potential? And then Robo Pope asks. Is Nordim currently greater or less than the sum of the parts? I thought they deserved to be put together. Where, where would you say, Nordim? it's a good – Well,
2: yeah, it's interesting because Nordim's offense potential was a 10 against – a 9 against Florida State. They can't – their offensive line doesn't block anybody, so what? how could they – how could that not be a great effort by the offense? Right? Yeah, yeah
1: 41 points on the road.
2: Yeah. Um, The defense, though, would drag that score down because of a really bad fourth quarter. I mean, that's – when we say they all count, the fourth quarter, three touchdowns really counts. So that would be a six out of ten potential maybe. I don't know. I mean, do you
1: retroactively grade the defensive performance against Florida State based on Jacksonville State and Wake Forest?
2: I just think they were good for three quarters and – Really bad for one. So I have to drag it down. And they gave right. up an 89 yard touchdown run when I said they were good. And so they that's... went
0: and they went with a defensive scheme that, that certainly right. against a de- uh, I mean, you can say what you want about Florida State, but they can run the football. They ran it last year. And it, and, you know, it was a scheme that yielded a bunch of yards late in the game in the fourth quarter. So, 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 you know, I would probably say six or seven, I guess. I, you know, I'm not sure. Um, and then there's Notre Dame. I, it looks like O'Malley's frozen here. Is, is, uh, Pete, is Notre Dame currently greater or less than the sum of its parts? That's, I that's, a, that's an interesting I mean, question.
1: Uh, I'm not, I don't know if I have a strong lean one way or the other on that. Cause I mean, the potential question, some of it, you have to gauge it of like, well, what was Notre Dame's potential? Like Notre Dame's potential to me was never 12 and 0. Um, or it wasn't, it was, it was a 10 and two. Um, so I'd probably say they're like, I would say they're seven and a half in terms of playing up to their potential. But if you thought their potential was 12 and zero, then you may, you're going to have a different score there, but like greater, there are less than the sum of their parts. I, I mean, slightly greater, but only just, I mean, I think that they're getting good things out of the passing game. I think what they've done with Jack Cohn has been really good. Uh, I think Reese has figured out some nice ways to use Kyron Williams or Chris Tyree. The defensive line talent I think is good, but I don't think it's like out of this world amazing. But – and I I would say the same thing at linebacker. Like J.D. Bertrand and Drew White are playing great football, but I wouldn't describe either of those as like – Future NFL types of guys, um, you know, I would say the same thing for Kaiser and Pryor at Rover. But that group looks really good. Um, you know, I think the secondary outside of Kyle Hamilton is there. Is there a pro in Notre Dame's secondary other than Hamilton? I don't. I don't think so. Um, so I think there. If you look at it that way, you you don't you feel like they're they're playing greater. Yeah slightly greater yeah. than the I summer. Mean, I,
0: I think maybe, like I said, if, if Cam Hart was a three-year starter at corner in college, yeah, because of his length, because of his athleticism, I think maybe he could project to that. But I mean, the, we knew, we knew the offensive line was going to struggle. They're playing worse than anticipated. Yes. But, but that's not the case anywhere else. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like the, uh, what, stock up stock down question that was asked earlier, like, there are, I, you know, I feel like linebacker and defensive line are probably about, or corner, or, you know, about what we thought, but there was only one position that you looked at and be like, man, that's, that's less than what I thought it would be. And is that's not enough to like outweigh the every other position yeah group, right? So that's, that's why I'd yeah. say it's greater than the sum of their parts, but it's not, they're not maximizing everything they've got.
0: Well, we lost O'Malley for the conclusion of today's uh, event, but, uh, Um, Thursday, hopefully, we'll keep him tuned in so he can make the prediction that I forget to ask you to to make. But, well, obviously, we're going to dig deeper into Wisconsin here later this week. And on Thursday, we'll be talking Notre Dame versus Wisconsin in Soldier Field. Thanks for joining us. This is Irish Illustrated Insider.
2: Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.